Happy Friday, everybody. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. Hope you're safe. Hope you're doing well. Hope everybody is good. Before I introduce my guest this week, the message of the week. This actually came from my guest. I heard he's, he's given me many messages, many good bits of advice over time that uh, <laughs> most of which I ignored <laughs> until recently. But this one stuck with me. Um, and, and it really played a big part in, in the amazing amount of things I've been able to accomplish over the last few years. Let's see if he remembers saying this to me. It's better to own 20% of five things than 100% of one. Don't put your eggs all in one basket, uh, especially him watching me kind of meander all over the place. I've, I've gone down many paths. I studied music. I've been in food and wine for a long time. I love martial arts and fitness, just kind of all over the place. So he was like, okay, look, if you can't focus, <laughs> it lose things. Do this much. <laughs> so we're going live here from the good old NYC. I'm actually sitting in my restaurant, Della, in Brooklyn. With that, I'd like to introduce one of my first bosses, one of the first mentors. Somebody's had probably the most profound effect on my my business accomplishments, but my also also my ability to focus and work my ass off. Anthony Tony Di Silvestro coming live from. Are you in Virginia Beach right now? Hey, yep, I'm in Virginia Beach. Loving it. Beautiful day here. Lovely. It's hey, raining cool. here. Tony's actually a Jersey boy. You from? You grew up in Wildwood? Is that Wildwood right? Crest and then Wayne, New Jersey. Yeah. 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 Awesome and. You made your way down to Virginia in ninety one. Ninety one. Yeah. And when when did you open um, Great Neck? Ninety three. Ninety three. I actually found it in ninety one. Had to wait two years for the lease to come available, and then uh, we opened in ninety three. Gotcha. Yeah. So I started working for Tony right around that time. I was about sixteen years old. Uh, he my my mom and stepfather had bought a house in the area where he opened his first place. And uh, do you remember how I ended up working for you? <laughs> Where'd you go? Where'd you go? I don't know. I lost you for a second. So there, don't worry. The listeners can hear. It's your internet. You're down there in, uh, in, in, in the podunk. <laughs> you have <a> bad internet. <laughs> I guess. Um, I, I was, I, I was saying how, how, you know, Sue and George bought a place near you, and that's how I ended up becoming familiar with your restaurant. But do you remember what brought me through the door the first time? I don't. I don't remember. I really don't. It's too long ago. I'm old now. Cute little employee of yours. She's probably listening right now. Named Jennifer Stratweiser. Oh, I'm sure she is. <laughs> so my girlfriend was at the time. My high school girlfriend was working at his restaurant, and uh, and she was telling me about all the fun people that work there, especially the fun guys that, that were so nice to her. And I was like, Oh really? <laughs> I'm going I'm to see if they're hiring. Cause I had a little restaurant experience already. And then all need motivation. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest was history. There you go. Her awesome. and I didn't last long, but, uh, but Tony and I, we, <laughs> well, the cool part is I both have an amazing relationship with both of you. So it's no, there she's great. She's wonderful. The whole Stratweiser clan, uh, Bill's always been super awesome to me, Maggie as well. So, no um, yeah, so for those of you listening, I got my start, my my real start. Uh, you know, I'd worked at a couple of restaurants prior to that, but Tony really gave me my wings. That was your first restaurant that you opened in in the Great Neck section of Virginia Beach, correct? Yes. Why not pizza? It was about a, a maybe a thousand square feet, right? Yeah, sixteen hundred. Sixteen hundred, something like that. Very New York style. I'm sitting in mine right now. Tony's actually never been here, but this is my little joint in Brooklyn. It's small, and it reminds me so much of uh, that just the size and the feel of of the way things were back oh, yeah. then when when we were first getting started. And then from there, how many how many restaurants have you opened since '93? <laughs> Heck, I've opened probably ten or twelve of them. Uh, we're, we have six right now that we have with 450 employees and just craziness you know having fun right and so the second one was the one at the oceanfront right and then a number of others locally green run uh providence that was all the way that was through the end of the 90s right yeah, it was kind of interesting we went to six locations and brought in partners and then 
eventually decided to scale back down the two restaurants and franchise the company. So we got some structure in the company and then we're back up to six and now getting ready to open up in multiple states. So. Nice. Excellent. Um, and you, you got your start really kind of working up and down the East coast, uh, especially in the summer times, working the sure. seasonal, uh, oceanfront resorts in what Delaware, Maryland, and Delaware, Jersey, Maryland. I worked in 20 different restaurants before I opened my first. Right. Right. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. Same. And and I I would say one thing, the one of one of the things that I learned, I, I was already a hard worker, but but Tony really helped me focus that energy back as a as a wild youth. Tell them about the dreadlock days. <laughs> Everybody wants to know, like what were they the ugliest things you've ever seen? Well, they're they're pretty ugly. <laughs> but you know what was cool? It's like it didn't really matter what you looked like or you know, your work ethic was just amazing. And from a young kid, um, you know, I loved what you said online today, man. I'm honored to, for even to see those words attached to my name. But to be yeah. honest with you, when you have an entrepreneur and you were an easy subject, I mean, when you're a built entrepreneur like you are, I mean, there's nothing to it, you know, because your passion, your drive, everything was, it's you, it's who you are. So, you know, it's like a chef, you know, you start out with bad ingredients, you have to be a really great chef. When you start out with great ingredients, it's not as difficult to make a great meal. So you, you were yeah. a great ingredient and you can see today why we're on this together. And I am so honored to be with you today and to be blessed to be in this company. Absolutely, man. No, 100 percent. I've been trying to I was try, I was planting this seed for a while. It took a freaking pandemic to get him on the show, though, because we always we always, you know, record live in, in Manhattan in the studio and my guests sit across the table from me, you know, and I, I know you're up here a lot. And I kept like, when are you going to be in New York? When are you going to be in New York? And but this is this is what it took. This is making a lot of interesting things happen. But um it's funny. I, I just really remember ignoring a lot of things that you said and you being like so frustrated with me back, back when we were, we were, we were both just babies at the time, but I remember so testing your nerves. To that point, it's funny. I'm training my staff right now. I had all my owners with me the other day. And one of the most difficult things for these entrepreneurs and you know, they're, they're quasi entrepreneurs, you know, because they, they really came into a business that was already established. But one of the most difficult things that they have is to develop other people. And to develop yeah. other people, you have to let people fail. And that was the hard part. And with you being an entrepreneur, you failed every day. Because <laughs> you, you gave me yeah, Because you, <laughs> you wouldn't listen because you're hard at it. You know what I'm saying? But, but that's what made you a great entrepreneur because you can, you know, it's like the wild, wild west. They went across country without even knowing what they were going into. These were yeah. pure entrepreneurs in our country in the beginning. And that's who you were. But in the beginning, so for, for somebody like me to take you and have somebody disagree with me all the time it takes a lot for an owner or an entrepreneur to see that talent because typically somebody that's not an entrepreneur would fire you yeah well make sure you tell your current staff be like that guy he's the one who made it easier for you all because <laughs> exactly you paved the way there was some battles, <laughs> was some like battles. A pioneer. you you made me cry <laughs> I'm not proud of that. Trust me. No, it's all right. It was, I, I take full responsibility for that. You're a little um, emotional. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> you were a little emotional. Yeah, yeah. Still am a little bit. But uh, um, one of the things that it's come up, I, a lot of, I've asked a lot of guests, and, and this is really interesting for me to see where you've gone and the, the route you're taking lately. When did the idea, like, and actually the word entrepreneur come under your like into your crosshairs where it was something you were like oh i i resonate with that that's me i get that so at eight years old i opened my first business um you probably don't even know this but um at eight years old i went to a wholesale candy shop down the shore in jersey you know i'd grown up in wildwood crest it was four months of harry and eight months of worry so from a young age i was i was taught that you know you have to make your money in four months because the winter's going to be really cold and you're not going to have any food so at eight years old, I went into this wholesale candy shop and was with my friend Robbie Rosenfeld, good Jewish boy, you know, teaching me business. And um, we went down to this wholesale candy shop, bought Snickers, all this bubble gum, and it was fun. We went on the ocean front, we set up tables, and we used to sell candy bars to people coming off the beach. So realistically, you know, and when did it, when did I realize it? I was born with it. I had no idea. You know, as a kid, I asked a million questions. They used to call me Observing Junior because I would ask too many questions. You're like a damn sponge. 
But um, I think I still ask too many questions. <laughs> I know. I think it was just built in me. And then I, at nine years old, I was selling Mexican pottery from my mom's macrame shop. So at nine years old, I was pushed into a sales position. And I mean, child labor, they were paying me 10 bucks a week for 60 hours a week. But I learned a lot of great lessons. So I don't pay my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I do. All my kids have all worked in the restaurant. You know that. So. Yeah, of course. No, mine too. I just haven't paid them yet. I feed them. Entrepreneurship, I think, Jeremiah, uh, I think it has to be within you. Not to say that you can't teach a kid or pull entrepreneurship out of somebody. Uh, they may not realize that they're an entrepreneur, but sometimes it takes people like you and I to really drive that and find that talent because so many people are looked over or degraded and not given that opportunity to grow. And I think that's the most important thing as business owners. We need to let these people grow around us. Yeah, I agree. And I agree that, you know, for me, it was innate. I was hustling and doing stuff for my grandfather and then, and then started out on my own pretty, pretty young and, and, and nobody kind of had to teach me that part. But more specifically, when, like the actual title entrepreneur, when did that, was that something you heard? Like, I know you took like a, a few business classes when you, when like fresh out of high school, was that something talked about when you were young and coming up? Was that term thrown around? Cause for me, I didn't, honestly, I didn't hear really, it didn't register with me until maybe like 10 years ago when we were doing a little pop-up here in our neighborhood. And when the guy, the guy came into the wine store and he was like, Oh, you're a regular entrepreneur. And I thought he was insulting me. I was like, what the fuck? What are you talking about, man? Like, when did when did it really when did that term land on your plate and you realize like I'm not just a business owner? I know you always knew you were more no. than just a business owner, but but when did that idea really kick in with you? Because for probably, me, I was like I was old. <laughs> probably six months into owning my first restaurant when I almost lost it and I couldn't pay my bills. I said, "Holy shit!" I said, "I have nobody. There's nobody behind me." So at yeah. that point, I'm like, "Okay, I own a business." And I'm responsible 100%. And I think I think that's a hard thing for people to realize. And I, I think if you took on a partner today and put them into business, I don't think we'll ever know that. We'll never right. realize that. And that's the thing. I think when you become an entrepreneur and you open your first business from scratch and it's your pure idea and you're the founder, you know it right away. Yeah. Everybody's depending on you. And people don't realize it's such a lonely life being an entrepreneur because, I mean, everybody's looking at you for the answers and there's nobody helping you. And, and that's the biggest thing. And I think that's why we're on this radio station today is to see if we can help entrepreneurs get to that point that they have a voice. They have some back to my poor internet service isn't working very well. <laughs> yeah, I know it's okay. It comes in and out a little, a little, even, even Gary V he says, man, Fuck it. You got to keep going. I agree. I love you. I was just listening two minutes before we got on this call. Oh, good. Good, man. I've had no time. I've been so busy uh, just running around and doing all the things and, and, and doing the hustle. Um, yeah, 100%. I think that's when it really, that's when I knew as well, when there was like nothing else behind me to catch me. Right. I mean, it, for me, like I kind of wasn't paying attention because I'm, you know, a little bit of a space cadet in, in a way. It's funny. I can have like hyper focus on certain things and then others. I'm just like all these like t mid 20 year old guys that are working for me. They're looking to me for the answers. And I'm like, me? Wait. Dude. And I'm looking behind me like, it, 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 with, oh, there's nobody back there. It, right. Like it, it's me. And, I, and then I, I totally felt like you. I was like, oh, shit. Like, here we are. That's it. I don't know if it's true or not, but they say like most entrepreneurs have ADD and I don't know. I, I always say I don't have ADD, but I mean, I know I'm crazy, but it's okay. <laughs> but I think you're the same. You're like, I watched you be so hyper-focused on like one thing. And just when everybody else was like, I'm done, I can't do it. You were like, no, but you've always got like 75 other things. <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, what are you doing? You're like, not right now. I can't, <laughs> you know, it's just like that. That's, we gotta, we gotta put that aside. Yeah, people always oh. ask me. It's crazy, man. Like I don't write anything down. Like me either. I have five different businesses and a million things going on. They're like, "How do you remember all this?" I'm like, "I have no idea." Well, why are you always telling me to write stuff down if you don't do it? <laughs> Just always trying to make sure. I know. You're I know. I know. All right, we're gonna take one, a little quick break. We'll be back in like sixty seconds. All right. Cool, man. Kick back, relax. We'll be back in just a minute, everybody. Listen to the Entrepreneurial Web. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. We're back. That's my line. Why are you taking my line, man? <laughs> no, it, it, yeah, we're getting a little, we're getting a little Zoom fuzz here. So, uh-huh. all right, let's start that over. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, you're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox, here with a dear friend, a mentor, one of my first bosses, Tony B. Silvestro of Why Not Italian, headquartered in. Is the headquarters going to be in Virginia Beach? Beach? Yeah, yeah. And you have locations in Norfolk and Chesapeake as well, right now. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready to go so, to Raleigh and Fairfax. So. Nice. Awesome. So I got my start with, with Tony in the restaurant industry back in like 93 or so. Uh, he really taught me a lot about working hard, all the odds and ends of running a business, uh, especially under some grueling situations like the seasonal restaurant he owned in the Virginia Beach Oceanfront from 95 to 2000 which was, that was a madhouse. I still, I still have like anxiety dreams that it opened back up. <laughs> and then it's like a holiday weekend. The place was so bananas. We had armed security on holiday weekends. Dudes with nine strapped to their, to their sides. You wouldn't uh, have needed that today. No. The <laughs> coronavirus took care of all that. <laughs> yeah, no, you're jujitsu. So. Oh yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> I, you know, I would have handled a lot of those situations completely differently which is something I wanted to move on to, which is a great segue. So the current situation where across the country, across the globe nearly, especially businesses like ours, dining rooms have been tested, restaurant, uh, restaurant owners and, and managers have been tested in ways that most have not experienced, uh, especially if they've, they've only been in business for a few years. I have had the fortune of working for people like yourself for a long time. And whether it was intentional or not, I got put through a whole lot of tests that, that quite resemble this, where I can remember at the oceanfront, like blackouts and just yeah. like the most insane things happen. And it just really gave me that thick skin. One of the things, you know, I, the first day that this went down, because we were my restaurant was doing no delivery or takeout. Uh, you know, people could call in and, and pick up, but it just wasn't a component of the business. It was a nice place. You saw it. You come in, you sure. sit down. We entertain. You know, we light drinks on fire. Like, there's a whole the whole experience. We just really didn't, you know, the pasta is fresh and homemade. It's not something we envisioned you sitting on your couch watching Netflix eating. You know, come in. Join us. Be our guest. <laughs> so yeah. as soon as this happened, just, you know, the, on like Sunday, whatever, Sunday, the the 15th of March, I think, Cuomo was like, you have until Monday night at 8 p.m. to close your dining rooms. That's the last time you can have a guest in there. And I just like quickly went and switched the gears. And I remember that Tuesday night, the first night where we were takeout only, my head bartender was here just kind of like watching and helping out. And he was, you know, he's in his 20s, kind of doesn't know what's going on. And I'm like answering the phone, running credit cards through, you know, putting them in by hand, writing shit down, stapling stuff to bags. And he was like, 
how the hell do you know how to do this? And I was like, 1994? <laughs> Love it. Had this, had this Italian guy barking over my shoulder. <laughs> and it was a walk in the park and he was just so blown away. And I just remember, like it really occurred to me then, I was like, man, I really gave him a lot of shit. And I remember you saying to me back then, but like in an in a argument one time, like, this is going to help you one day. And I just was like, and like, I, I just, I just paused that night. And that's why, that's when I was like, I got to call you. I got it. It's been a few months since we talked and I was like, man, I just really need to call you. And then, and then here we are. But awesome. really all those things along the way helped these little nuggets that you gave me and all those crazy situations that we went through made me not bat an eye at this situation. What about, what about for you? You, you've just attacked this freaking head on like a, like a steamroller. You know, um, for me, you know, I've been blessed to be part of a lot of um, big organizations in town with the mayor. I'm on his board of advisory board and all that. So um, my biggest thing is that when this hit, you know, I'm I'm an optimist, Jeremiah, true and true. You know, my glass is always half full. Um, I never look that way. It aggravates people that are around me because I'm such an optimist. But I believe every there's a problem is an opportunity. If you ask any one of my 450 employees, you walk up to them and say, what is the problem? Every one of them will tell you it's an opportunity because we preach it. So as soon as something like this hits, I'm like, okay, it's just changing our business. What are we doing differently? And it's been, um, it's been amazing because we're almost back to our normal sales with the, with the coronavirus and then we're only doing takeout and delivery. I mean, that's all right. But we've been positioned properly to do that for so many years, but it's really getting the, the staff wrapped around it as well, because if you're sitting there in the dumps and like, Oh my God, you're ready to jump in your hole. Your whole staff's going to follow you. So it's, you, as an entrepreneur, we're leaders. I mean, that's what we do. And for me as an entrepreneur, none of us are in the restaurant business. We're in the customer service business. So if you can teach your employees what it means to be in the customer service business, the better you do that, the better you'll succeed. And with the coronavirus, it's just another opportunity for us. I mean, whether it's a hurricane, whether it's the power went out, um, there's been many times our power's gone out. You'll see me, I'll go to Lowe's, I'll string lights down the middle of my restaurant. I put candles on every table and the customer's like, Oh my God, can we do this once a month? I'm like, but it's the coolest thing in the world. You know what I mean? So how do you adapt when, and if you're a true entrepreneur, you know how to adapt and that's what you do. You don't, you don't fall on. And I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, Jeremiah. I'm not saying during. The- gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here. A little fuzzed out a little bit for a minute. What was that last part you said? You, you were saying, I'm not saying as an entrepreneur, you. I'm not saying as an entrepreneur, you never feel like overwhelmed or you don't feel like you're out of control or that you're going to fail, but failure is an opportunity, right? So we have to, as entrepreneurs, you have to know how to fail. And that's what it yeah. is. No, and it's straight martial arts too. I mean, you know, I've been training jujitsu really hard for like almost five years now. And there are so many mantras from the martial arts that are so applicable to business. One is get comfortable being uncomfortable. Like you will not improve without that pressure. Another one's pressure makes diamonds, you know, and, and, and you must fail. You will, you will learn from your failures. If it was all success, 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 you would, you would be pretty weak at the end of it all. You would, not, you would not be the tough person that you need to be to protect yourself or to survive in business and, and deal with these things. And like I said at the beginning of this segment, like you just hit this like a steamroller. And, and I've had that same positive energy. And I, and I have to attribute a good amount of that to you. And I think it was subconscious because at the time, I was just such a knucklehead, you know, and just like, self-absorbed and confused. Um, but you, you had to have planted that seed somehow because I don't know where else it came from, but like, I felt the same way where sure this sucks, like, but shit has sucked before. I mean, my place has been open for almost five years and we've gone, same thing, you know, nine months in, I was like, we're going to close. We're like, I don't know how we're going to pay our bills. You know, like everything's gone. All the money that we started with all gone and we were capitalized. Like everything was fine. It was just like, it's gone. Like, what the fuck just happened? I, and remember, to look- I remember those conversations, Jeremiah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like having, and even though I, I, you know, learned under you and you've been through that, I still didn't absorb all those things. And like you said, it's got to, you actually have to be there. You have to be standing on the edge, like knowing there's nothing behind you to catch you. And then how, how do you respond? And you do that enough times. And after a while, like you don't know I, you know, it's funny. I knew something was going to come and shake up, especially the economic uh, situation that we've, we've kind of been riding on for a while. I didn't expect it to be this. This is not, I was like, oh, that's how it's going down. Okay. Um, but same thing. It was just like, 
there is an appropriate response in here somewhere and and folding is not it giving up uh you know like you said just tucking your head and and just kind of pouting like no way not an option there there's there's an opportunity here somewhere and it really for me it came down to like how can i help the community and i know that's something that's a seed you planted a long ago and and that was something i didn't realize either where with my current partners and, and their other businesses, we've done the same thing. And I kind of was following their kids are a little bit older, especially the way they've, they've uh, co- you know, consistently given to the schools around here. And, and, and I started like it was when I started managing for them at first, it was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. And I was like, how do I know how to do this? And I saw like some Facebook post for why not? And I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I've, been doing this. I've been doing this for like 25 years. Right. Uh, and that's something you've really taken to right now as well. Like you just, you, you gave like how many, how many meals to teachers last week? Um, we're over 53,000 people we've fed yeah. since we started this um, endeavor. And we started at the very first day of the pandemic. Uh, we went across the street to a local church and found like 25 families in one church across the street. And we just started feeding them. And then mm-hmm. it was, became so addictive to do it because my staff was coming back. We kept all 450 employees. We didn't lay off anybody. But what we did with our wait staff is we had them delivering pizza to everybody. So yeah. it became our deliverers and they would come, they're coming back in the store crying their eyes out because they're like, these people haven't eaten in two days. And so then we went from there and just went into every hospital in town. We fed every police station, every firefighter, every nursing home. And we've just done it. We just gave uh, 5,000 pizzas out to every teacher in Virginia Beach and yeah. just really doing it. But you know what? it's really about knowing the pillars of your company and who your company is. Like our three pillars are family, quality, and community. So, but every day in my life for 27 years, I've driven everything through that family, quality, and community, every piece of marketing, every culture meeting that I have in my stores. So, and that's what it is. So when, when it came down to the pandemic, it was just, it was normal. I've had so many people ask me like, why are you doing this? I'm like, I'm like, that's who we are. I said, that's what we've done for 27 years. It feels normal. Exactly. I've, I've seen you always do that. So when you told me that, I wasn't surprised at all. Right. And, and I, you know, my place isn't at the capacity of yours, but it, it's been a similar situation where we were given the opportunity to get meals to hospital workers here, like especially some of the hardest hit hospitals in New York sure. City. And, you know, they gave us it was it was a, you know, a fundraising campaign and they, they definitely gave us some money it was much less than what we would normally get for for that quantity. And we're just not used to that quantity either. But sending right. out like four or five hundred lunches a week to to hospital workers. And right. it was the same thing when I when I put it to the staff, because we kept nearly everybody here too. a few people left town. But other than that, everybody else I, I kept employed. And when I was like, all right, this is this is what they need. Like, I don't know how we're going to execute this, <laughs> but I need, I need to know if you're on board or not. Like if you're not on board, we won't do it. And the, the, the joy of like my chefs, they just, they stood up tall and they're like, are you serious? Like That's no awesome. question. You know, they were so hmm. pumped up and it, it really, like you were saying the, the keeping the, the glass half full, it just went like the morale just, and it changed everything. It, you know, we were doing okay. We've been grinding, we've been going at it, but that really got everybody pumped up. And then it was like, all right, all we saw was sunshine after that, yeah, you yeah. know? And it's the crazy really part great. now, Jeremiah, is like, I'm starting to hire for opening our restaurants, hopefully next Friday, a week from today. Oh, wow. wow. And it's crazy. We have all this staff that's coming to us and want, they want to work for our company because they're like, yeah, our bosses didn't care. They laid us off. But unfortunately, they, a lot of people didn't have a choice. If you didn't, weren't set up for takeout and to go, it, yeah. was, it was tough to even imagine how to do it. But the thing is, the staff, the, the employees, like I'm putting employment ads out. I'm getting thousands of people applying to come work for our company because we had that vision. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you know the culture of our company. I mean, there's there's companies like Ruth Chris. It's tough. You know what I mean? They, they are high-end restaurant, very difficult to stay open. They can't really – to-go steak doesn't really work real well. Not so great. Um, so I, I respect the fact that some people had to make those decisions, but sure. as entrepreneurs where we are and we had the opportunity, we took advantage of that opportunity to really feed the communities and really give back. And our staff is blown away. Absolutely. Really. It's very impressive. It's very impressive. All right. We're going to take another quick break. We'll be back in just a few. Everybody listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative.
Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. All right, everybody, welcome back. Once again, you're listening to The Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox, here with one of my closest friends in the world, mentor, former boss, Tony DiSilvestro of Why Not Italian, based in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where I worked for him throughout the 90s, helped him open a number of restaurants. And we were just, you were just talking a moment ago about the reopen. You said next Friday, it's looking like you're going to be able to reopen the dining rooms down there? Yeah, we'll um, be able to reopen the dining room on Friday. Uh, next Friday, they're saying 25%. We'll go from there. And for you, how many seats is that? I mean, we seat 220. So what we're going to do is we're taking some of the tables outside in the cafes and move them around. So we'll be able to spread it out. So yeah. hopefully we'll be able to get 60 people in. We'll so are they saying uh, kind of like what they're they, – they've given us no date at all, but what they have said is when we reopen – Right now, what they're saying in New York is no more than 10 customers, six to eight feet apart. I think it's going to be 25%, Jeremiah. So 20% okay. of your capacity. But if you're a small restaurant with tables, it's going to be almost impossible because you still have to have the distancing. So it's going to right. be. Right. That's what I was going to ask. So are they making you distance as well? Oh, yeah. yeah. Six feet apart. Yeah. So it's For like every, every other booth. Right. Yeah. Right, but you've got your 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 place kind of meanders and and right. goes around. So you can, and we're you setting can, up new tables outside too, so we're yeah. able to spread out outside. Right, thankfully, like the weather's getting warm. I'm about to do the same. Oh yeah, yeah. um, and do, do the outside does the outside seating uh, fall into the capacity it does. regulations? It does. Yeah, so it's like twenty five total. It's whatever you're rated for fire. I'm assuming that's how they're going to do it. Gotcha. So. so one one of the things I saw is that they said. Uh, potentially that the board of health is going to start to oversee uh, a lot of these regulations as opposed oh. to the fire department. When I went, I actually called my board of health director and said, you need to do that. So the biggest thing is I, yeah. I went and shot a video with all the top businesses, uh, hotel, hair salons, gyms. I shot a video with all of them and said, listen, I said, it's critical that we all do this together as one. I said, if I have a restaurant or a gym that opens up and isn't following these procedures and policy, I said, you're going to shut the entire city right. down. So I shot a video with everybody, with the mayor, with everybody to make sure that that message is getting out of there. And just as important in New York City, everybody there has to open up the right way. Right. So I went to the director of the Board of Health and I said, you need to inspect every single restaurant. Make sure you're going over all the policies and procedures. Actually, on the NRA website, if you are a restaurant, there's NRA has uh, serve safe certification now that's free. And you can do COVID-19 training for free. So we certified all 450 employees with covid and serve safe food handlers. So 
you know, we're just taking precautions. We're taking the temperature of every employee when they walk in the door. We have temperature logs, everything, face masks, gloves. So we're going actually above and beyond the standards that are in Virginia. But we need to set an example as, as leaders how we expect other people to open. And that's something, you, like you just said, you, this hasn't been a requirement yet. This is just something you've taken on yourself. No, it's not a requirement at all. We've been doing it for yeah. almost 52 days now. We've had face masks, everything. And, and aside from taking temperatures and face masks, the rest of it you were doing for the last 27 years anyways, right? Yeah. I mean, I've been in the restaurant business for 37 years. Right. And you know, sanitation is a top priority. And you know I'm anal as anything. Crazy about it. Yeah. So. Which is another one of those things that I learned early on. We were talking the other day about the one inspector at the oceanfront who was just <laughs> like, man, he would lift every rock. And he had his little pocket protector and just chick, chick, chick. And I would be like, Fuck, man, this guy's such a ball buster. But like, <laughs> I have a cell phone number, Jeremiah. He's in my cell phone. So, yo, man, I'm tell him. I, I want you to tell it. Tell him the, that little shit with the dread says thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I'm sure he'll remember me because I'm sure he was like looking and going. I don't know if that hair needs code. <laughs> I would have trouble pulling off dreads now. So, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Uh, I still got all of my hair. Um, but honestly, like all of my places that I've opened and run in New York city, which is, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty hard on us. Now they change up the whole system in the last 10 years. I've only ever had an a, and a lot of that comes down to what I learned back then working for you and you just being such a bull about like, no better, better, cleaner, data, data. And I just, it just like, it's implemented in me. So it's funny because, you know, when this started to like gets a little scary in New York, but they hadn't shut everything down yet. People would hit the dining room and they'd be like, I need to go wash my hands right away. And I'm like, okay, yeah, there's, there's three sinks. You can, you can take any one of them. And it's like, you didn't do that before. Like you just instilled in me, like when you walk in off the street, it doesn't matter. Like even as an owner, I'm not bartending, I'm not cooking or anything. I would still walk in and I go right to the hand sink just cause that's like, that's what you do. And I was like, Oh wow. People are doing that. No wonder there's a fucking pandemic, (laughs) you know, but yeah, again, another one of those things I just have to attribute to you. Like it just, it's always stuck with me. And as much as I hated going through those inspections and I still don't enjoy them, (laughs) but, but I just, I have the confidence knowing that we're doing it the right way. And it's, and it's based off of that. Um, You know, they really haven't given us any, any timeline or, you know, I've read the federal rollout for kind of protocols in restaurants. Um, but, but we've we've seen mind, nothing else in New York. The federal protocols are only as good as, as what's written on that piece of paper. Yeah. It's customer perception. You need to walk into right. your restaurant and say, what does a customer see? I mean, down to the point, if you have a pair of gloves on and somebody hands you a credit card, you have to change your gloves. If 100%. They use a pen on your front counter. We have sanitized pens and, and regular pens. There's so many details. You need to, we have tissue boxes taped to the outside of our front doors of every restaurant. I mean, everything a, touch, a customer touches, just walk into your place of business and see what where the potential right. hazard is. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you something else, and I totally forgot. Um, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. What else do you want to say? That one slipped away. We'll get back to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you oh. drinking wine? Or are you just drinking out of a wine glass? It's a wine glass. <laughs> I, I, know it's, I know it's like, you know, work from home. <laughs> it would be bourbon if it was uh, in that glass. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Um, so you're you're ready to go full full on in all of your locations, all six of them, oh, yeah. uh, and reopen on Friday. Um, yeah. What what I mean, you, you know, you talked about employment uh, in the last segment as well. I read this morning something like 33 million people have filed for unemployment in the U.S. to date. What's your predictions, hypothesis for how things are going to go uh, moving forward? How many businesses do you think are not going? to one reopen because they just lost too much in the shutdown. How many are going to struggle in this and adapting to this new environment that will likely last? How long do you think it'll last? Well, I think when it comes to the restaurant industry, I think we'll probably lose 30% of the businesses, but I don't think it's all pandemic related. I think right. the industry has been struggling since 2018. We've had the highest on highest employment prices by far because unemployment was so low. And then mm-hmm. also our commodity prices were the highest they've been. Forever. So I think there were a lot of restaurants going into this that were not in great shape. So I think right. that will cause a, a good portion of it. I think if the restaurants that were nimble and knew the recession was coming, which if you ask any one of my staff, I've been talking about a recession for three years. So right. like, you know, we're pricing out paper towels and paper towel machines by the foot. 
we're re- renegotiating. We were doing this before the pandemic, so we were positioned very well. But that's part of being an entrepreneur. You know, what are your costs and expenses? We all get fat on the hog when everything's great. And I've been there myself. We all do it. But you have to be able to predict and see going what's going to happen going forward, your budgeting, your projections, everything. So I think projections going forward, I'm looking, I'm thinking we're going to come back stronger than ever, to be honest with you. After the 2008 recession, I mean, we have, I had my best 10 years ever in the right. restaurant industry. But, you know, we prepared. We were prepared for it. And that's what it was. We were preparing for a recession before 2008. So it's really, you know, going back to your core values and your core process and acting like you're just opening your restaurant tomorrow. And that's what I'm kind of sending out to all my owners. I'm like, we, these restaurants are brand new. This is a grand opening. Mm-hmm. How are we performing? So that's, that's fascinating mind. what you just said. Cause if you ask my staff, same thing for like two to three years now, I think <laughs> you planted that seed also. <laughs> Something's coming and like, don't get like things. We had a nice little turnaround, I'd say over the last six months where it was like, struggle, struggle, struggle. And then things kind of like shifted and we, everybody was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, Hey, Hey, don't get comfortable. (laughs) This shit could turn on you any moment. In fact, I think something's coming. We need to, we need to think ahead and plan. And I, that's the only way we've survived just because I've had that mentality. Yeah. Like you, what do you always say? Tighten the belt. Exactly. (laughs) I like to stay skinny. I like that, that beach pod. I'm good. Um, I'm doing good. So you, you think probably like 30% of restaurants won't reopen. I know, is, that, I, is that nationally or where you're at? I mean, I think it's nationally. But you know what? Then there's going to be these young entrepreneurs that are fearless. and They're going to fucking come in and scoop them up. Sure, they're going to fill in 30% or you're going to have a lot of restaurateurs that are see the opportunity and say, hey, that restaurant closed down the street. I want another location. And that's yep. what's going to happen. And there's going to be completely built out, fully stocked restaurants just sitting there, table chairs generation. and everything. It's second yeah. generation. And, and you know what? I'm opening, I'm planning on opening maybe 20 to 30 restaurants. So I'm looking for that second generation. Yeah. Come to New York. There's going to be a lot. <laughs> I think what they said here, there was, it was like a, a local uh, restaurant organization. Their prediction was if it lasted four weeks, 30% wouldn't come back because of like what you said, pre-existing conditions. Shit was already fucked up. They, they were, they were struggling anyways. You know, I was saying to one guy a couple of weeks ago, it was like a lot of restaurants, one banana peel is enough to just like, you're just like ready to go. Now they're just falling from the sky, you know, and it's just like yeah, yeah. a lot of people can't get their footing. And um, that then they said if it lasted eight weeks, you'd be down. It'd probably be like 45% of restaurants wouldn't come back. And then if it lasted up to six months, which is certainly possible here where you can't fully operate a dining room until right. September. I don't, I don't see how they're planning on getting back to that at, before then, that only 30% of restaurants in New York City would remain right. after six months of not being able to open. At but imagine, imagine people listening to what we're doing right now, how much that will help them. Because the, I hope we need to make people think and realize what they mm-hmm. are doing. Because there are ways there are ways to sustain your business and absolutely keep forward. You know, you're doing an amazing job. Just a little food market you have out in front, man, just it's really yeah. cool. And to watch you as a young man that I've known for a long time do what you were doing with the hospitals and just following that suit, man, it's been really cool. Really cool. You know, like you said, there are opportunities. And if I tuck my head and I just kind of was like crying and like, oh, poor me, poor me, like a lot of people I've seen do around here, I wouldn't have seen that. I wouldn't have had the opportunity. But I was like, okay, head up. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen, but let's give it a shot. And then it was like, hey, this like the bird flew in front of me. And I was like, I see that bird. Let's let's see where it goes. And I told everybody, I said, I mean, I donated almost $50,000 on the pizza this past week. And I said, shit, if I go poor, given to others, God bless. Whatever, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. We're going to take one more quick break. We'll be back in just a few, everybody. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. Awesome. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Do you love 
Or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, you're listening to The Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox, here with a close friend, mentor, former boss, great dude, all around, Tony DiSilvestro of Why Not Italian, based in Virginia Beach, Virginia, besides opening probably a dozen restaurants uh, over the last 20-something years. He is also uh, a commercial contractor. (laughs) He's... You own a photography studio. You've been in real estate. What what else? What have you not done? <laughs> I don't know. There's a ton I've done. And, you know, just being diversified, I have a big commercial construction company and residential. And, you know, I just, there's not much I haven't done. Ice cream parlors, deli, wholesale bakery, distributing the whole state of Virginia. Oh, God, the bakery. Sal. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, you know, I'm the just, fucking memories. <laughs> the craziest part about being an entrepreneur is you believe. And, and you know, yeah. I've learned so many lessons from owning so many businesses, whether it be investing in real estate, rental properties and doing a bunch of different things. And it's just given me a wealth of information that, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm so driven to share and to be on something like this today with you is so cool for me and just being part of this. And you mentioned in the last segment, the idea of bringing attention to all this and, and you've done uh, some work with that as well, been very active on social media lately, but also you started your own Instagram live and your own mentorship program called the Y, the letter Y in entrepreneur. What does the Y mean to you? First of all, for those of you that don't know, his company, Why Not Italian is spelled Y-N-O-T, which is Tony backwards which is very clever and, and is great branding on a number of different levels. It's taken me 25 years to really peel that one apart. And like, I still go, Oh shit, there's that. I'm like, wow, that's great. And, and you've taken it a step farther. And the, the contracting company is it why not build? It is why not build. <laughs> yeah. And now the why in entrepreneurship, which I just saw it recently. And it just, I was like, fuck yes, that's it. What does the why mean to you? You know, it's kind of funny. Some people say, and I've seen some stuff on the net, like you only have one why. In my company, yeah, bullshit. <laughs> it's always the why and why not. So what is the why? The why and everything. The why for me is is how do you sweep a floor? There's a why in that. How do you how do you walk up to a table and talk to a guest? How do you build a house? How do you frame a house? And where is your why? But in the why in entrepreneurship is there's multiple whys. I mean, Jeremiah, you have a million whys and what you do and why you do it. And I know you coach it every single day. Yep. The thing is, with millennials, the biggest thing and where this really came from is when I started hiring millennials, every single person that I talked to was, oh, my God, I hate millennials. They suck. They don't want to work. They don't want to do anything. I said, you're wrong. I said, all yep. they want to know is why. I said, when they're put on a team and everyone gets a trophy, they want to be part of a team. So the best part for me and how it all started was I started training millennials and I said, it's the easiest thing in the world to train. I said, you tell one, they tell everybody else. I said, it's been the coolest thing in the world. So for me, I'm a huge promoter of hiring uh, millennials. But when it came down to the why in entrepreneurship, you know, I've been mentoring businesses for 20 years. I've mentored a bunch of Navy SEALs, the Honor Foundation, um, restaurants, gyms, businesses. 
Um, I've mentored so many people. And it started to be like when I uh, teach at Old Dominion University, I'll teach entrepreneurship there. And what happens is nice. they're like, God, you need to tell more people this. So then when I started to see the Instagram and then I had a bunch of people, the mayor saying, hey, can you go on Instagram and share with people on how to open their businesses back up? You know, I'm like, hell, shit. It was only been two weeks now that I started the wine entrepreneurship, but it's crazy the impact. Um, it's been so cool. I had this guy in Jersey, actually. He had this gym company, he trains young kids in schools. He teaches them yoga, mental health for physical fitness. And I called him this week. I'm like, hey, dude, how you doing? And he goes, holy shit, man. Him and his wife are on the phone with me. They're like going out of business. They see he's like, I only have two months of income left. So dude, I got on the phone. I'm like, hey, what's, what do you do on Instagram and Facebook? And do you, why aren't you teaching this over online? He goes, I don't even know how to do that shit. I just got a message while we were on the phone. He goes, Tony, I'm going to kill this shit. And he's sending me pictures of a studio in his house. And he's like, I, um, he's, got, he's on Instagram, Facebook. He's setting up an e-commerce site on his website. But I went from him three days ago to I'm jumping in a hole, just shut the lid. To yeah. now he's like, I'm going to crush this shit. And I said to him, I said, what, you, what you're doing now is you're now truly being an entrepreneur. He's looking for his why, but he lost his why. And that's what he's, he lost the whole thought process because he was brick and mortars for so many years. Yeah. He totally was confused by that. It's funny how those two like generations kind of intersect where like I, I feel the same about millennials. And again, I didn't even realize like that generational thing had happened. I was just a guy doing my thing. And all of a sudden I became like the old guy in the room and they're all looking at me and I'm like, wait, what? Who me? I got, I don't have fucking answers, you know, but it turned out I did. And then I realized the people were like, oh yeah, millennials. And I was like, oh, they're millennials. Oh, that's, and everybody's same thing, bitch, bitch, bitch. I'm like, no, they're fucking great. Like I have no problem with them. And like, I, I feel like if, if as long as you treat people human, you get a response, you know, but you're right. They, they are like super, super savvy with all the, the, the like attention spreading and the, the, the digital media and everything. We didn't know, you know, we didn't know shit about that. And, and we were just like me, I was so brick and mortar. Even like a year ago, I was like, I don't need that shit, man. I'm brick and mortar. I'm in the street. All my businesses are on like five blocks. Like I see everybody No, you still need it. And I was like, no, no, no. And then I was like, okay, I do. Um, and, and they really helped with that. And then we help with the other side of it, which is the very personal, right. we bring the, the, the real world component into it and offer that. Why are you familiar with Simon Sinek? Have you ever listened to him? Yes, I, I was yeah. at the, Hey, he was, Oh, that's right. You told me, Hey, these freaking zoom things, they make me crazy. Yeah. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, I so, good. you know me. <laughs> yeah. I don't sweat it. I kind of like them now. It's a little breather. I'm like, <sighs> yeah, I know Simon Sinek though. I mean, very inspirational speaker. Yeah. So he, he's, he's not Gary Vee, but he's an inspiration. No, no, but he says some really great stuff. And and the first, the, the thing that reintroduced Gary Vaynerchuk to me after not paying attention to anything on social media for 10 years was a Simon Sinek video someone sent me called, uh, it was a TED talk, but he, he kept saying, know your why. But he, it was like W-H-Y. Right. And he said something really that stuck out with me. And it was actually the message for last week uh, when I had Gary Vaynerchuk's sister, who was right. a New Jersey real estate agent on. Um, and it was people buy what you do, not what you make or something to that effect. Where it's not about the product. And you, you've reiterated that a number of times through the show. Right. It's really about your, you know, your brand. But a, an easier way to, to explain that is like who you are, what's behind the thing that you make, like you and I don't make food for people. Right. We it's, it's a whole different thing. It's, we it's create experiences. Is what yeah. We and our story and our family, we're bringing the whole, like, it's not about opening, you know, I don't know, maybe it is one day, but it, it's really about like, you know, it's the same when the, when the girls were little, I remember Brianna being back on in a, in a, in a car seat sitting on the back table, you know, and people coming in, it was like, they, they were part of us. We were part of them. See, the why for me, Jeremiah, the why is, is, is really a, a training mechanism that I use to explain why, not only why would I do, but it's also explaining to your staff why they're doing what they're doing. Because they need for, that. without our staff, Jeremiah, yeah. we're, we're nothing. I'm nothing. Right. I don't care how brilliant I am or how great of an entrepreneur I am. If I don't know how to manage people and teach entrepreneurship, then I'm nothing because Absolutely. I depend on my people every single day and they're my top priority. Like my servers, I don't ever talk to my servers. I don't have servers in my restaurants. You can ask my servers all the time. They're like, are you a server? They're like, no, I'm not a server. I'm an experience creator. Yeah. But, but to, to get that message across, 
they have to understand the why. And when I'm teaching and mentoring the why, I'm digging into every why. Let me, let me ask you about your accounting. Talk about your location expenses. Let me talk about the customer walking through the front door. What is the why in that customer grabbing that front door? So when it came down to even the pandemic, I'm focused that way. That's all I think about. What is the why? What is the customer's perception? What is every detail? So when there's one why, I don't think there's any way an entrepreneur could have one why. And I don't think they're looking too deep enough into their business. So the why for me is everything. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great that you just pointed out, like the pandemic's been a great opportunity to teach that because it made people really think it stripped all the bullshit down, all the niceties, all the fancy stuff. Now, what are you? Why are you doing this? Like, if you can't answer that right now, buy, you know, you're going to disappear. And a problem's an opportunity, right? So you get hit with something in your face, you get punched in your face, you go, why did I get punched in my face? How am I getting back up? What is the why? Why did this happen? So it doesn't happen again. And And how do you keep your feet under you? (laughs) But that's truly entrepreneurship though, right? So when we get knocked down, you've got to ask the question why. It's probably one of the most difficult questions to ask as an entrepreneur is why. Instead, people run the other way. And you know what? They're truly not entrepreneurs if you're running the other way because as an entrepreneur, the number one trait when I teach entrepreneurship is you better be able to fail because failure is number one. And Absolutely. so there's two things really that I look at. It's failure and then you need to be a risk taker because if you're not a risk taker, it's very difficult to be an entrepreneur. But yeah. as a risk taker, you're going to fail. That's going to happen. 100%. That's it, everybody. You can take that to the bank. All right. We're going to have to wrap it up, man. Thank you so much. It's such Brother. an honor, pleasure. I love We're going to do this in the future, sitting in the same room for sure. We can't, I can't be always can't be this far away. We're still damn busy. <laughs> I miss you, baby. Um, so check him out. You can find him on Facebook, the why in entrepreneurship. You can find him on Instagram, check out his Instagram lives that he's doing with other local business owners and helping them figure out their why we got to work on your Twitter. You're on LinkedIn too, Anthony Silvestro. Check him out. Everybody have a great weekend. Stay safe. Be well. I'll check you next week. You're listening to the entrepreneurial web. Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners, looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative.
you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 